Graves on Gridiron with Richard Graves. It's week 17 in the NFL. That means just two weeks of the regular season remain. Playoff places are on the line. Postseason berths are at stake. This is Graves on Gridiron. I am your host, Richard Graves, looking ahead to three more matchups from this week's slate of games. Graves on Gridiron with Richard Graves. Welcome along to the show. I am your host, Richard Graves, and in a moment we will look ahead to this weekend's slate of games. But before that, I want to spend a few moments speaking about one of the all-time greats in the NFL. This week, sadly, saw the passing of Hall of Famer John Madden. An all-time great, as I say, a giant of the game who, for me, transcended generations of fans. He was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2006. And that was after a career as head coach of the Oakland Raiders through the late 60s into the 70s that spanned 10 years where he really did make his name as one of the great coaches to grace this game. Across 10 years, he amassed a regular season record of 103 wins, 32 losses, 7 ties. That's a winning percentage of 76.3%. To this day, he remains the most winningest coach in Raiders history. And it's at a time when he was coaching against the the likes of other greats in the game. People like Tom Landry at the Dallas Cowboys, Don Shula at the Miami Dolphins and Chuck Knoll. He overcame adversity in the process as well, because although across those 10 years, he never had a losing season as head coach of the Raiders, in a seven-year span, He took the Raiders to five AFC Championship games and they didn't win one of them. Yet he kept going back to the well and finally got the Super Bowl that many people felt that he and his Raiders side deserved, uh, taking care of the Minnesota Vikings uh, 32-14 in Super Bowl XI. His record as a whole in the playoffs was 9-7 and and he always felt that 10 years was about the right span for a head coach in the NFL. From the Raiders, he went into the commentary booth. He broadcast for all four major networks in the United States, ABC, NBC, CBS and Fox. Uh, And I think it's fair to surmise that he was a colour analyst that bears no comparison. There really was only one... John Madden, whilst people now are used to seeing analysts um, and experts use the telestrators on TV to outline patterns, movements, plays on the screen. For John Madden, it was about bringing the reality of the game to, to the fan at home, relating to the fan at home, not necessarily just talking coach speak. Um, I remember seeing steam coming off the head of Cowboys lineman Nate Newton and John Madden just taking the telestrator, uh, pointing to where the steam was coming off his head and saying, he's that hot, you you could uh, barbecue burgers on top of that thing or Troy Aikman's facial hair or lack of it, using the telestrator to to highlight that. Equally, on a running play that was successful for a team, he used the telestrator to to emphasise the big butts of the lineman and where the power comes from and what it takes to to get that extra yard. He was a type of colour analyst that could relate to the ordinary fan at home and brought a smile to your face. So at least that was for for me as a kid growing up watching and listening to the NFL in later years over the last two decades or so, no doubt. 
Um, many fans, younger fans growing up, will know the name of Madden from the the video games that they play on the the consoles. Um, but he, no matter what generation it was, John Madden um, related and was a name that all fans knew. And um, his final game, calling a game, was the Pittsburgh Steelers Arizona Cardinals Super Bowl um, back in two thousand and nine in in Tampa, which was one of the most dramatic finales to a Super Bowl in itself when the Steelers eventually ran out winners in that 27-23 against the Arizona Cardinals, Super Bowl 43. But he was a larger-than-life figure, a larger-than-life character, and he'll be someone that is sorely missed, but someone equally that I'm fairly confident nobody who talks about John Mann has a bad word to say about Great character of the game, somebody that brings fond memories, certainly to to me when I think about him. And yeah, it's certainly this week on hearing his passing at the age of 85, someone who will be sorely missed and a great loss to the game. Okay, let's have a look ahead to this weekend's slate of games then. I've heard it said this week on several occasions that John Mann would have been a little embarrassed at the amount of attention uh, he's received. He'd much rather everyone concentrate on the games ahead. And that is what we shall do on Graves on Gridiron. Through 16 weeks of the season, we have an impressive 30 and 18 record against the line. If you are new to the show, the concept is simple. Each weekend, I look at the slate of games ahead, pick three of them against the line set by the odds makers, and then delve a little bit deeper into whether we should take that line, go over or under and explain the reasons why. Eight playoff berths remain up for grabs in the NFL. 24 teams are still in the hunt to claim one of those eight berths entering Week 17. The six teams who have clinched a place in the postseason already, the Kansas City Chiefs, Dallas Cowboys, Los Angeles Rams, Green Bay Packers, the Arizona Cardinals, and the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That means that in the NFC, two spots remain... Six are still available of the seven in the AFC. And it is to the AFC we look for the first of our three games selected this week. The Las Vegas Raiders at 8-7 and seven this season travel to Indianapolis to take on the 9-6 and six Colts. The opening line for this game has Colts as heavy favourites at minus six points. It is sure to be an emotionally charged Raiders team which takes the field on Sunday in the wake of the news regarding the great John Madden's passing earlier this week. At 8-7, and seven, they have the same record as division rivals the LA Chargers and they do remain in the hunt for a wildcard spot in the playoffs. They arrive at Lucas Oil Stadium on the back of two straight wins, but they haven't topped 17 points on offence in either of those games. And frankly, that could be a problem heading into this matchup against a red-hot Indianapolis Colts side. The Colts have taken down the Patriots and the Cardinals in back-to-back games over the last two weeks. They've won six of their last seven, having started out the season at 0-3. But, and it's a big but as a caveat to this, they may be also without quarterback Carson Wentz this weekend's weekend. Wentz is unvaccinated. He tested positive at the start of the week. Now, usually that would mean he'd have to be isolating for 10 days. But a change in regulations early this week as well means that players, whether they're vaccinated or unvaccinated, can return after five days in isolation if they test negative. 
potentially that's obviously good news for Wentz, it's potentially good news for the Indianapolis Colts, and it's also good news for their star linebacker Darius Leonard as well, because he missed the win in Arizona after testing positive on the morning of that game. Leonard leads the team in tackles, running back Jonathan Taylor is the NFL's leading rusher and needs just 84 more yards on the ground to pass Hall of Fame running back Edrin James for the Colts franchise single season rushing record. Look, if games were decided on emotion, given the events of this week, I'm pretty sure the Raiders would head into this game with, with the edge here. Unfortunately for Ve the Las Vegas Raiders, games aren't decided purely on emotion. It's players who decide games. And for me at least, man for man, the Indianapolis Colts are the more talented team on both sides of the ball. During their last seven games, the Colts averaged 31.4 points per game on offense. Contrast that with the Raiders. They've only scored more than 17 points in a game once in their last eight, the Thanksgiving Day win in Dallas. It, for me, it's simple. If Carson Wentz and Darius Leonard take the field this weekend, expect the Colts to win this one and expect them to win big. Covering that minus six spread, take the Indianapolis Colts at minus six. OK, game two of three in week 17 sees the Kansas City Chiefs with an 11-4 record travelling to Cincinnati to take on the 9-6 Bengals. The line for this game opens up with the Chiefs as five-point favourites on the road. And it's not hard to see why. There isn't a hotter team in the NFL right now than the Kansas City Chiefs. Winners of eight in a row. And of course, last week they clinched a sixth straight AFC title with that demolition job of the Pittsburgh Steelers, a game that frankly was over by half-time. The Chiefs, of course, now have eyes on securing that all-important number one seed in the playoffs and home field advantage, which will be crucial given the extended nature of the postseason now. Only one team from each um, conference has a first weekend, opening weekend bye. If you get that number one seed, you get the bye. That's what the Chiefs have eyes on. Meanwhile... The Cincinnati Bengals have aspirations of their own of hosting a game in the playoffs. Quarterback Joe Burrow starred throwing for 525 yards and four touchdowns as the Bengals routed division rivals Baltimore 41-21 last weekend. That performance was enough to earn him the AFC Offensive Player of the Week award. And coincidentally, it catapulted Cincinnati into top spot of an incredibly competitive AFC North. Look. There's no question in my mind the Bengals have the firepower and offensive weapons to compete with anyone in the NFL. Look at rookie Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. They are all big-time receiving threats. And then, of course, you've got Joe Mixon, who, for me, is as good as any running back that there is in the National Football League right now. The problem for them this season is that every time the Bengals come off a big-time win... They followed it up by laying an egg. They followed up impressive wins over Baltimore with a defeat to the Jets. A thrashing of Pittsburgh with back-to-back -back defeats. A turnover-laden game against the LA Chargers. Time is running out for the Cincinnati Bengals. They're in top spot now. Their destiny is in their own hands. But another slip-up could prove critical to their postseason hopes. And that's not really the backdrop you're wanting when the Kansas City Chiefs are heading into town. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' offence, without doubt, have found its mojo. 
in their last three games, they've scored 48 points, 34 points, and then 36 points last weekend. Only the Chargers have managed to score more than 10 points against Kansas City's defense over their last five games. Make no mistake, this is a formidable challenge for the Cincinnati Bengals. To win, they have to be ruthless on offense and avoid committing turnovers. I referenced earlier that game against the LA Chargers. They went into that off the back of a really impressive win over division rivals, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were down, I think, 24-0 early on in the game. They came all the way back to within two points and then fell apart again. And that was all on based on turnovers that allowed the Chargers to build a big lead initially and then to pull away at the end of the game. They have to look, take more care of the ball. They have to look after it. They cannot give the Kansas City Chiefs any chance if they're to, to pull off what would be a big upset in this game. Make no mistake, they've come a long way this year. There's times when they've been really impressive, especially, as I say, on offense. But I'm yet to be convinced they're ready to overcome this type of challenge against a team that have gone to the Super Bowl in each of the last two years, a team that won the Super Bowl two years ago in Miami. A win here, of course, and all bets are off. That would go a long way to changing my mind, but I've got to see it to be to believe it. Twice I've taken the Bengals and drunk the Kool-Aid this season when I've thought, right, this is it. They're net to be taken seriously. They are for real now, and twice they've disappointed. I won't make that same mistake a third time. I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs to cover here. Take the Chiefs at minus five. Graves on Gridiron. The final game of three takes us to Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. The Cleveland Browns are the visitors with a 7-8 record to the 7-7-1 Pittsburgh Steelers. This game being played on Monday night. It's the primetime game on Monday night football. The Browns start this game as slender three-point favourites. And it is a must-win for both teams if they're to keep their playoff hopes alive as slender as they are. And even then, both teams are well aware that they need help from elsewhere, whilst also knowing they must win out over the final two weeks of this regular season if they are to have any hopes of making the postseason. And the Cleveland Browns come into this game on the back of an agonising loss to the Green Bay Packers last weekend. And frankly, they only had themselves to blame. A mix, missed extra points, a failed two-point conversion, four turnovers from quarterback Baker Mayfield, all combined to contribute to a two-point loss to the Packers in Lambeau Field. Meanwhile, the Steelers also on the road were completely blown out by the Kansas City Chiefs and now you look at that 7-7-1 record, that Week 10 tie with the Detroit Lions rests heavy on that record. One bright note for Cleveland last weekend was their running game. Nick Chubb, as we've come to expect, outstanding. He totaled 126 rushing yards and a touchdown on just 17 carries, which tends to beg the question, why didn't the Browns hand him the ball more often? Surely that's something that they'll do this weekend against the Pittsburgh Steelers' defence, which frankly has been awful when it comes to defending the run. It's a unit which ranks dead last in the NFL against the run this season. They're giving up around 142 yards per game. That should be music to the ears if you're a member of the Cleveland Browns. 
True, the Steelers' defense does have pass rusher TJ Watt, who is the NFL's league leader in sacks with 17.5 so far this season. But look, folks, it's tough to sack a quarterback when the offense is constantly handing the ball off to the running back and they're running it straight down your throats. In my opinion, for Pittsburgh, their best hope in this game is to play good defense, keep it tight. However, it has to be pointed out, as bad as they are at stopping the run, their offense is perhaps even more inept when it comes to starting games. Last weekend's defeat to the Kansas City Chiefs marks the fifth straight game in which the Pittsburgh Steelers have been unable to score a touchdown in the first half. Let that sink in for a second. Fifth straight game without finding the end zone in the first half. The last time that this team went on a run this bad, you have to go all the way back to 1940. That's 81 years ago. On that occasion, they went six straight games without scoring a first half touchdown. Their offense is turgid at times, and I can only imagine if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, it's tough to watch. And for me at least, this all points to a feast time for the Browns' defence. And it would come as no surprise to see Miles Garrett and co. have a day against a Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback who, frankly, is showing his age and has become increasingly immobile. The Browns are just three-point favourites heading into this game. I'm not even going to try and dress it up. Expect them to win. Expect them to win big. Expect them to cover this three-point spread. Take the Cleveland Browns at minus three. Okay, just to recap the three games we've taken then from the Week 17 slate. First of all, take the Kansas City Chiefs at minus five as they head to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. Take the Indianapolis Colts with a minus six spread to overcome the Las Vegas Raiders. And then in our final game of three, take the Cleveland Browns to cover on Monday Night Football. Take the Browns at minus three against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Remember, folks, first and foremost, this is intended to be a little bit of fun, so do have fun with it. Our record on the show currently stands at 30 and 18. Let's see if we can improve on that this weekend. If you want a little bit more information about those three games we've spoken about, you can go to www.gravesongridiron.com. Look at overlooking, uh, overcoming the odds for week 17. You'll find more information there. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at richardgraves1. But for now, we're looking ahead to week 17, playoff places to be decided, postseason berths to be bucked, and we're looking to improve on that 30 and 18 record. Enjoy this weekend's slate of games, folks, and join me next weekend when we talk some more NFL football on Graves on Gridiron. Subscribe to Graves on Gridiron wherever you listen to podcasts and keep up to date with the latest on Twitter. Search for Richard Graves 1. That's Richard Graves, the number one.